Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of That Movie Show. Mike Went and Eddie McCabe here with you in our first October review. Oh, yeah. Also, um, I definitely have to do at least one episode per creative venture yeah. from space. From s- and yeah. so, so this is my this is my space episode. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, to be fair, I don't know what'll happen, but the last space episode I did, Bill Neville started producing the show, and that worked out pretty well. So we'll see what well, happens. You fucked that one up, and you ran his ass down to Orlando, so we can't produce this show. <laughs> I know. I know I did. Oh my god, I've been living vicariously well, we'll through Bill's Instagram that. stories. I know. God. Yeah. That asshole moves down to Orlando, and then immediately. The first thing he did, I don't think he signed up for cable first. I, what nope. I think he did was like, I'm getting an annual pass holder, and I'm just going to have my weekend entertainment be Disney World. Oh, yeah. Literally every day he's been down there. Like He, he basically pulled into Florida and went straight to Disney World and was like, yeah, this is where I'm just going to live. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We, we didn't even unpack. Yeah. We didn't even get the keys to our apartment yet. We went straight to Disney World. Oh. No, they drove by their house. Probably Bill just stayed in the car while Danny brought the dog into the apartment to drop him off and then went immediately to uh, Hollywood studio where he promptly decided to text me. Yep. Yep. I'm in Star Wars now. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, you monster. Monster. (laughs) You monster. Uh... I want that to be my fun. It should be. It should be everybody's fun, not Bill's fun. Just everybody's fun. <laughs> everybody's fun. You know why? Uh, I mean, we can't of, go of course. Down there. So you know, we we said it many times when he was producing the show. We we always needed an adult, and he is the smart one. He went and moved to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, right. He did right. what we all uh, talked about doing. He was just like, I'm just gonna do it. Like we yeah. we, we it's shit or get off the pot, and Bill got the fuck off the pot. Really, that's exactly what happened. He's doing it right. We're doing it wrong. We are doing it wrong. What the hell is wrong with us? I'm so dreading winter down here on the Cape. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's even worse. Well, when we did strip, uh, strip tease, not strip tease, showgirls, showgirls a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I was like, yeah, no, I, I got this because we did it at your house down the, down there. Down the Cape. Down the Cape. And, uh, you know, basically uh, the Cape exists only in the summer. And it's not built for anything else. Right. And so, so when it's like, when we ended and it was dark out, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, yeah, no problem. I can get to the highway. No big deal. Well, of course it was dark because there's no lights. And yep. I got pulled over by a cop because he thought I was drunk. And he like, he was just like, where are you going? And I'm like, I can't see anything. I'm just trying <laughs> to get to the highway. And, he and those looks roads at me, are he goes, the longest, most desolate nothingness roads right and he just looks at me and he just goes really <laughs> like yeah man yeah. like it's it is actually pitch black i am from boston and the surrounding area we have things called street lights <laughs> they didn't bother they didn't bother yeah, he's like where are you yeah, he's like where are you going i'm like i'm going home god you yeah know, that was uh exists. 
it, it took a, I actually, I, I got pulled over once as well. I was coming back from uh, St. Anthony's feast and it was like, again, one o'clock in the morning, probably a similar situation. And I get off the highway. I'm literally 10 minutes from the house, get pulled over. And I mean, it's kind of, it's jarring because the road is so dark and all of a sudden bright ass lights are fucking shining right behind yeah, you. Right. Like, what is like, is a UFO landing. What is going on? I was peaceful a second ago. And yeah, they're like, where are you going? Yeah, and right. of course, my license doesn't match any address down here. It says Belmont. Like, I'm going home. Like, you're going the wrong way. I'm like, okay, let me explain how separations work. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a hoot. Thanks it's for a opening hoot. this wound, dick. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a hoot. Anyway, open wounds. Dawn of the dead. Segway. Let's do it. <laughs> Yeah. So here's a movie uh, that I wish I watched the 2004 version. Oh, shut your mouth. Oh, way better. Way better movie. Yeah. Mouth. Oh, God. This is this is overrated. This all get out. God, I wish I could have watched get out. (laughs) So we are covering the 40th anniversary of Dawn of the Dead. Kind of, <laughs> because it was released in Italy in September of 1978, but then in the United States in 1979. And since this is America, we're going to count America. So it's 40 years, not 41 years. I was really scared when I looked it up and I was like, 1978 film. I'm like, fuck, I've been saying 40th, but I'm right. I'm right. And Internet is the Internet. So anyway. <laughs> It had a budget of $1.5 million, and it looks like it. Brought back $55 million at the box office, uh, written and directed by George A. Romero. Stars Ken Forhey, David Emergi, uh, Galen Ross, and uh, the special effects of one Tom Savini getting his start back in 1978. Um, It was produced by Dario Argento. It has three official versions of the film. If you dig into the internet, there's a million versions. There's an eight-hour work print version. It's basically like the apocalypse now of horror movies or the Blade Runner of horror movies. There's so many different versions of this movie. Um, and much like many... One of those movies that you just mentioned is way overrated. And I won't let you know which one I think is overrated. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I think both the movies I just mentioned are completely overrated. So there's that. I'm in that camp right there. Um, But it's also uh, because of the home video releases has been plagued for years because like most George Romero movies, it's gone through a different people have everybody's owned this movie. Uh, Night of the Living Dead is the most historic uh, rights bullshit ever because it basically Night of the Living Dead is public domain. So you and I can put out a movie show version of Night of the Living Dead if we really wanted to. Wait, Um, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to have to turn into that for a second. Okay. Um, We absolutely should. But do the entire movie, but then just replace one non sequitur scene with some nonsense and then just cut back to the regular movie. <laughs> I like it. So it's kind of like uh, when Brad Pitt was cutting big cocks into fight club. Yes. Yeah. There <laughs> you go. <laughs> yeah. It's a Bambi or whatever the hell. <laughs> um, so Dawn of the Dead uh, has three official releases. Uh, the theatrical version, which is the one we watched. Uh, there's the extended version, which is about, I think 
So the, the one we watched is 127 minutes. Then there's the 138-minute version, so it's about 10 minutes longer. Then yeah. there's the 118-minute version, which is the European cut, which Dario Argento took and extended certain scenes of gore but cut out certain, like, uh, talky, relationshipy moments and also okay. rescored it with the band Goblin. Uh, so a completely different score, little different movie. All of them, uh, I actually I have the the ultimate edition big four disc DVD box set because of course I do, and they're all in that one with a few documentaries. Uh, but the one that most people have access to is the theatrical version. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And as you said on Instagram, you have some thoughts. Oh, I have some thoughts. Uh, <laughs> this is campy garbage. Uh, <laughs> It's this is a garbage. classic. <laughs> yeah, this is campy garbage. Um, the acting in this movie is so bad. <laughs> so bad that it borderlines on unwatchable. Uh, and in a movie where zombies are taking over, um, the ending decision making of that bike gang annoys the fuck out of me. Go on. Uh, so at the, well, I mean, we can either do it now or we can get to the end of the movie where well, like, let's, let's, let's hold it. Let's, let's hold yeah, it. Let's, end. let's, let's hold it. Uh, um, cause we'll, we'll talk about it. Cause it's the dumbest thing that I've ever seen in my entire life in terms of decision-making. And I hate, I hate when we do that, that sort of thing in movies mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, X, Y, this person has to be evil for the sake of being evil. Okay. Not because of any decision making that like character point of view has led them to be like uh, for a little bit of it. Uh, Roger f- is a little bit of that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, his character is so annoying in the terms of like the switches that he flipped. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just really annoying and we'll get into it. So we open in, uh, I don't know, it looks like a public access news studio. (laughs) I mean, like I said, it's a $1.5 million budget, and uh, every penny of it went on the screen, (laughs) but apparently $1.5 million in 1978 in Pennsylvania uh, buys you a bunch of gray paint, and that's about it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, um, So the people in this aren't acting like people, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like... The funny thing like, is, I like this movie. Having, <laughs> like, but again, uh, I like I like this type of movie. Uh, but I'm I'm enjoying your take on it. Yeah. So the movie starts, and it's a television host interviewing an expert uh, on what is going on. Right. And we exist in a movie where we've gotten to the point that there is martial law has been like declared. Yeah. Right. Like. Everything is so bad that martial law has been declared and rescue centers and like centers like the list of centers is inaccurate because some of them have closed down. Right. Right. So we've been living in this world where where the dead are living and Mm -hmm. eating people and everybody is just making fun of this expert and just being like, oh, you're an asshole and you're so stupid. And, And it's just like, wait a minute. You are all in this world where this has been happening for a minute and everybody is just making fun of them and just throwing things like they're not doing a television broadcast. And it's like, 
either we're in complete chaos and anarchy or we're not. And you're in this weird hybrid where nobody would act like that. Well, the, the funniest part about the whole news broadcast scene of it was the the, uh, the the director up in the booth starts yelling down at the host and the cameraman. What it seems like is the crew wants to get the fuck out of there. They all seem to want to go home. And he's he, we're staying on the air, and I don't care if the information we're giving people is wrong. We'll send them to their death. It doesn't fucking matter. He just wants to stay on the air. Then all of a sudden, the host just gets up and starts cursing. Who the fuck is that guy? And tell him the fuck. It's like, dude, you're live on the air. Like, you, you like, right. Like I get it, right. it's a zombie apocalypse, but you're you're trying to have a professional news broadcast here, and you're right. the first one that's going batshit crazy and cursing live on your news show. Yeah, right. And you're calling this guy a, an idiot, and people are like walking by and doing Canadian crosses and just like putting up rabbit ears on the expert. Like it's just like what, what's a Canadian cross? I've never heard that one. Uh, so. So in improv, in, in an improv comedy scene, if two people are having a scene yeah. and then somebody from off screen just or off stage walks from one side of the stage and then off stage the other way and then just says like a one line joke that has to do with mm. the the scene that's going on. It's called the Canadian Cross. Interesting. You learned yeah. something today. So there uh, you go. There you go. There's improv. There you go. 101. Uh, <laughs> so we are also uh, we're also introduced to Francine, who seems yeah. to be a floor producer. And then uh, Stephen, a.k.a. Flyboy, is yeah, way uh, he, better name. he shows up. Everyone's just trying to get the fuck out of there. And like the security guard is he's not stopping anybody, despite the fact that the director's yelling, stop that guy, stop that guy. All of a sudden, Stephen shows up and he makes him show eight forms of ID just to walk into the building. <laughs> Yeah, it's like everybody's like, trying to leave. He's the one guy that wants to come in. And by the way, he's got a helicopter who's going to fly her ass the hell out of here. Yeah, well, he's apparently the helicopter pilot for this news station. And news so station. <laughs> right. And so it's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the like the security guard would know the eye in the sky, Steve. Flyboy, even Fly you know Boy, what I mean. Yeah. It's it. You know it what seems I mean? like it's, it's not his first day there. Yeah, it's not his first day there. You should know who this guy is. And so, yeah, so Stephen comes in to Francine, who they're clearly in a relationship, and he's like, "Meet me in the meet me on the roof at nine. And it's like, "We're gonna get out of here." And it's like, "Okay, cool." Here's the cool. Um, Stephen's whole demeanor uh his whole personality his whole acting for lack of a better term uh is it's really bad but spoiler alert yeah he's one of the best zombies when he gets turned <laughs> because oh, he's, he's basically playing a zombie the whole fucking movie and then all of a sudden i'm like oh wow he's really good at the zombie thing right <laughs> uh, he's just not good at the whole living thing right then probably cut to probably the funniest scene in the movie. Absolutely funniest thing in the movie. I laughed and had to pause it because I was laughing for 10 minutes. Okay. Uh, so we're in, we're introduced to Roger, yep. who is a SWAT police officer. Yep. And he's giving a pep talk to some rookie and giving all of the exposition how, like, 
there's martial law declared and like the people in this project are like holding the dead and like you know we gotta stop them and all this well, other no, stuff and, well they're, and, they're kind of they're, they're kind of there to apprehend uh martinez like i think is a drug dealer that they're it's a hotel or something like yeah. that because because there, the racist cop who keeps cocking his gun over and over again, getting very excited about shooting people, is oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, they put they put these guys, they live better than I do. These pieces of shit, and a lot of racist stuff is thrown. Yeah, in there a lot as of well. racist stuff. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. So I so, think they're trying to apprehend somebody. They don't. I don't. It's weird because I don't know where we are in the whole zombie apocalypse because clearly the news station is acting like this has been going on since the events of night of the living dead but these guys don't seem to really get what's happening yeah right it's it's very weird because i feel like it is both because yeah there's the issue with the racist cop and then ultimately the uh the introduction to our other like p uh, to peter uh, you know, and yep, like that yep, character. And, yep. and so it's, you know, so we're, yeah, you're right. We, we have to apprehend the Martinez, but then at the same time, there's like, they're holding the dead down in the basement and there's yep. a priest with a, a crutch for a leg and all this stuff. But bef- at, right at the beginning, when Roger is giving this pep talk to this rookie and how everything it's going to be okay. You just got to stay calm, first- man. You just got to stay calm. You're going to be good. We're going to be good. Just, just stay cool, man. Go ahead. Literally, the first thing that happens is what I would only be able to describe as hippie Rambo, like kicks open the door and fires one bullet. And this movie is so bad that it's just him like shooting arbitrarily like (laughs) off to the right. And it nails the guy that Roger is talking to, the rookie, right between the eyes. And he just dies in his arms. And... Like, we all knew that that rookie was going to die. Right. I just didn't realize he was going to be the first person (laughs) to die in this movie. So, Hippie Rambo, I'm glad you brought him up. Because it is, uh, uh, you know, you watch these movies over and over. And I've probably seen this movie 20 times. You forget certain things. Right. I forgot about hippie rambo and i forgot how extremely racist it is it's basically a white guy in a long hippie wig with a bandana and shoe polish on his face playing a mexican it's brown face yes oh yeah no that's exactly what it is bad glue on fu manchu mustache mustache. (laughs) it's like did you have nobody else (laughs) oh yeah yes he doesn't even do stunts. It's not like it's a stunt man. He literally, like you said, runs to a door, arbitrarily fires a gun into the air, and then he's held up and he runs away. There's yeah. no falling. There's no, like, no. why did we need to rub grease on a white person's face for this? I mean, I get it. It was a different time. And we don't do the, this has an aged well thing on this show. But holy yeah, shit, just you just brown faced this movie. <laughs> Yeah, so then they make their way through the SWAT team, like the entire SWAT thing. And that racist guy is shooting everybody. everybody. And so, oh, by the way, kicks in a door, doesn't even look twice, blat, like one of the great headshots of the movie where it just explodes. Oh, yeah. Luckily, a zombie's face because he just shot wildly into an apartment. Uh, he was just like, oh, yeah, let's kill every uh, one of these blank, blank, blanks. Yeah, ultimately, Peter, uh, who will, like, officially 
we meet a little bit later, uh, he murders this guy because he's like, this guy's super racist, right? <laughs> we're, we're cool, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to murder this guy and we're, we're all going to be okay with it? Cool. A yeah, fr- little nice. friendly fire never hurt anybody. Yeah, a little friendly fire never hurt nobody. And so sure enough, he, um, yeah, so Peter ends up getting into a, like a run in with the dead mm-hmm. and makes his way down to the basement where uh, Roger meets Peter officially. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and this is my first problem with the character of Roger because okay. he, he seems so cool, calm, and collected like in this, but like also like rookie and nervous. Like he's like new to the force or something because the way he's talking to Peter, it's like Peter's going to kill him. And, hmm. and, and, and then instead they like talk for a few minutes and then Rogers is like, yeah, my two friends that like work at the news station, they're like hijacking a helicopter. You want to ride? Convenient. <laughs> it's just like, and Peter's just like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like I, I guess I guess I'll just abandon everything and just conveniently come with you on this mad musical helicopter ride. That convenient helicopter is convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Look, we got an extra seat in this plane and we just gotta put on another person. And so yeah, so now Roger and Peter show up at this helicopter and they just talk to Steven and they're like, Hey, look, we're just gonna hop in with you. Yep. And it's like, okay. And cool, then bro. they take off. Uh, yeah, we get to uh, they get a refuel, uh, but you know the the gas pumps are almost out. I don't know how they tell. I, I, again, I I wasn't alive when this movie was made, so I don't know if gas pumps had like levels, like your like car. They had, but yeah, they like literally they walk up to the pump and goes, "Oh, this one's almost out." I'm like, "How do you know?" Yeah, how do you know that? How do you know and, that? <laughs> and then and then we have our first like attempt at like social comment. Perry, where like Peter almost gets eaten by as even points a gun at the zombie to like try and save him. You but there's some like racial tension. There. What'd you say? Oh, Peter like goes into the like the office yeah. and almost dies by getting attacked by those two children. Which actually, uh, while we're you know just to throw a little bit of trivia in there, was Donna and Mike Savini, Tom Savini's uh, real life niece and nephew. Uh, they're also the only zombies in any of the Romero movies that spontaneously start running. They don't do the normal little zombie shuffle thing, uh, okay. yeah. which was uh, the inspiration for in the one you like, the what was it, the 2004 version, uh, yes. the, the little girl in the hallway kind of you know doing her little running thing, even though all those zombies ran. But that was yeah. their little homage to it. Um, oh, that's fun. What I yeah, what I noticed about this scene was the the extended headpiece on the zombie who gets hit with the helicopter propeller. By the way, is he nine feet tall? <laughs> oh God, I know his head I know. was like it's just a weird. He had a forty-seven head. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it just, was like just a like big like Frankenstein headpiece with like a bad Rocky Dennis wig put on top. It was weird. <laughs> oh, it was brutal. And then on top of that, it was like it slowly got up on the box only to get its head chopped off. That's right. He did like step off because I was like, I'm, I'm like, how the fuck? 
you know, you watch again. You watch these things enough, you start to forget shit. Yeah. That's, he did yeah. step up on something, uh, but yeah, just right. to, just to facilitate the propeller knocking his head off. Because hey, we got a headpiece. We can do a head gimmick if you want to. You know, if you got a helicopter, why not cut somebody's head off? <laughs> right. We have to do the Indiana Jones at some point. Exactly. Um, and so they end up getting back in the helicopter, which is really funny because. Like, Stephen and we find out a little bit later, like, clearly have a plan as to, like, where they're going to go. But even though Peter and Roger just kind of, like, like tagged along, right. they, like, it's not like they were going to, like, have issue with the plan. <laughs> because, like, they end up coming to the, uh, they end up coming to the, the uh, mall. Yep. Right, they're they're gonna land in the mall. One of my favorite things about this, though, I will say, is all of the zombies are real people, right? Because like we didn't live in a world in 1978 where digital effects were a thing, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Let alone, let alone a, a, an entire like parking lot mall full of people. So I really Correct. did it. I really did like it and appreciate that when they showed shots of the parking lot and there were zombies in there. It was like, oh no, that's really like thirty-five people that they're just having wandering around this parking lot. Now, uh, as someone who has worked on uh, movies as an extra, you you know, uh, you know what you what to expect on a movie. But of course, a movie of this, you're not going to have the luxuries of you know holding and paychecks. Um, yeah, the extras right. who appeared in this film were given one dollar in cash, a donut. And a Dawn of the Dead T-shirt. Yeah, good for them. Good Apparently, for them. I mean, after Night of the Living Dead, uh, George Romero, of course, it was filmed both filmed in Pennsylvania, became not a, very much a local legend type of thing. So it was one of those things you put it out in a a, ca- a local newspaper casting notice, like, come on down and play zombie in a Romero movie, and people just came down. They would have done it without yeah. the donut. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Of course, you didn't need a donut to get me down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't need a donut to get me down here. Uh, but yeah, they did. Uh, one thing about the zombies, uh, we mentioned earlier that they were they were painted gray. Uh, Tom Savini, who was of course not only in the movie as one of the bikers, but doing all the makeup and effects, uh, he chose the color gray for the zombie skin because in Night of the Living Dead it was black and white, and the zombie skin tone wasn't ever depicted. Uh, he's since done interviews where he said that was a huge mistake because it ended up looking blue <laughs> they were supposed to be gray <laughs> like, Fuck. Yeah. oh well <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny and he's absolutely right uh so yeah they break into this mall right that conveniently has a helipad on top of it mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the most unrealistic thing of this yeah well it's a mall your, your malls don't have helipads yeah no they don't but, you know do. <laughs> oh, of course well you're down the cape yeah you know, every all the rich people down the we, Cape are taking their helipads. We got helipads at our Starbucks, bitches. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be right. Um, and so they like break in, and you know, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. There's a mall, and there's a lot of, you know, food and <laughs> the clothing. malls in the '70s sold everything. Everything. This one's they even had... got you know, it is a Pennsylvania mall, so of course it's got guns. Of course it has. Yeah, a full-on gun store, like literally out of like an old West type of shop. Uh, they got a, a bank, which they immediately rob uh, because, you know, just in which case. Which is so funny because 
Well, it's also really funny. It's just like, yeah, this is the apocalypse. What? What? That money's not worth anything. Well, I did like though. Uh, Ken Forhey uh, was it, is he Peter? He, he's Peter, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he does have the line that justifies it. He picks up the a wad of cash and goes, well, just in case. Meaning, just in case we get through this and money's a thing again, let's take all of it. Not wrong. Yeah. Not wrong. Yeah. You shove it all in a bag. You put it in a corner. You forget about it. But yeah, tons of guns. Uh, a full-blown supermarket, along with your usual right. Macy's and Sears type stores, and an ice skating rink, as you do. Yeah, as you do. Um, you know they're they are very good in terms of strategy to the zombies that are in the mall. Uh, basically, the idea and strategy that they have to fortify the mall and get rid of the zombies and you know they do a really good job the other thing that i thought was ingenious and really liked was them building that fake wall through their hallway to get to where they actually lived right right you know so so it it helped fortify if like somebody else was to stumble upon this you know yeah like you said logistically it all made sense uh they they did (sighs) I think this was some of the stuff that was cut out of the European version just because they, they just want to get to the fucking, basically, uh, for lack of a better term. But, yeah, yeah it, the the whole setting up life, I, I found, and it's one of those things that I, I notice in, especially the, the, the later two Romero movies, uh, this one and then Day of the Dead, he spends time, like, they, they're zombie movies, but he spends more time establishing how these people are living because of course he's, yeah. he's trying to do social commentary on, on all right. different parts of all different generations. But I, I, I kind of enjoy it because you know, we, we've seen zombie movies. It's very easy and we get to the fucking eventually we get to the, you know, right. them biting people and the blood and all this stuff. But it's like, yeah, these are people who have been in this mall for however much time they've been there. I mean, she's gone, you know, basically through almost an entire pregnancy. So it's at least six months that they're there because she was like three months pregnant when they show up, which that conversation is wild. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Peter's just like, what do you want to do about it? He's like, what the hell do you mean? And she's yeah, in the other right. room listening to the whole thing. And he's like, right. Well, do you want to abort it? Because I know I know how to do that. It's like, where? I'm sorry. We're in SWAT training. Do they teach abortions? Yeah, I know. Emergency abortions. Like, just in case. I understand emergency uh, deliveries. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. you, you, like, not even like the whole intro, but you need to know how what, what's going to happen if a baby is going to be born and you're the only one there. You know, you get a catcher's mitt and a towel and you just kind of wait and, then it, you know, the whole yeah. thing. But Yeah, you tell her it's going to be on three. Hike, hike, yeah, hike. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. An emergency. I, you know, I'm curious. Go on. <laughs> yeah, go on. Nevertheless, you... strong woman. Uh, they're not going to abort it. She's going to hang on to it. Keep yeah. her my baby. <laughs> and uh... <laughs> yeah, and this is where like my problem with Roger starts is that he's cool, calm, and collected the entire time until we decide that we're going to like bring the semis to like block off the to like block off the the mall well, entrances he's he seems like he's cool con- he, okay um i don't know it seems like leaving their little crawl space area for lack of a better term is his cocaine because when he's in there he's just hanging out smoking chilling just relaxing but all of a sudden right. they go out into the mall 
and he's like the Tasmanian fucking devil. Even the first time that him and uh, Peter go out into the mall, right? He's he's an asshole. He's running around and oh, let's do this and let's do this and let's do this. He's like, hey, motherfucker, yeah, calm down. Yeah, we it's need just to go weird. Get supplies, because... and he's like, I'm gonna shoot everybody. He's fucking uh, what the not not uh, not Wiley Coyote, the the Yosemite Sam. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. It's just weird because at no point. At no point prior to this did his character feel that way. Like, you feel like if that character trait was going to be in there, yeah. it would have happened in the mall ghetto that they were in. Or, like, you know, like the. I mean, it, it could beginning. also be, you know, over a course of time, you know, you go stir crazy, you know, when, you know, you start questioning life, et cetera, et cetera. Also, after the first couple runs, They've kind of got their rhythm down where they know how to bob and weave and avoid the zombies and all that stuff. And, you know, you, worst case, you take a couple of pot shots. It's easy. So I think by the time they're going to start moving the the trucks around outside, he's almost like very cocky and very, very sure of himself. Ah, this is no big fucking deal. I, uh, You know, we, we've done this a billion times. I'm just going to run around these idiots and no big deal. But, yeah, he gets... And again, I don't know if it's the character. I don't know if it's the actor. But the, whatever the performance is in those trucks is right. just like, shut up. Like, yeah. You, like you, you really empathize with Peter in those moments where the guy's sitting there like hopping up and down going, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to go get my shit. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And then he gets well, bit and you're like, great. Well, and it's it's frustrating, and and maybe that's like part of the pro. This is what I talked about earlier, where it's like all of the decision making and like all of the character pieces that we've had up until that point say that you know Roger wouldn't act that way, or, or he wouldn't forget something like that. Mm. And I know we need to get him to get bit, you yep. know, like that's that's what we're trying to get to. Right. But it feels like, yeah, this is a unnecessary plot device for like this had to happen, not the character had it happen. Yeah. You know, like like at no point did the decision making of the character feel natural and logical based on the person we were watching. And so we'll talk about the bikers in a little bit because yeah. I'm even more mad about them. But we're almost there. <laughs> yeah. But it's like that's that's kind of frustrating where it's just like look i know we needed to get this guy dead and we needed to turn him into a zombie and this is how we had to do it but yeah it's like wow it was it was definitely the writer playing god and not the character actually reaching that logical closure point right and and even his turning into a zombie thing once they you know once they get him back to their little apartment there and, and he's bandaged up and he's sitting in bed and the whole we whipped him scene, it's just like I, uh, part of me is like, OK, well, we've really never seen in movies and nobody's done it. So there was nothing to go off of how the process of going once you've been bit going from human to living dead becomes now, now you know, shows like The Walking Dead. Now we have, you know decades of history on how this transformation happens and right. they also you know they have more time and money etc that's not even an excuse we have examples but back then right. there really was an example so seeing him kind of go through the whole i don't know bad acting version of a fever dream if you will was, yeah, was right. just like uh, it's 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 not a great look back but i get 
why it was bad because they didn't have anything. They didn't know. They, it was they they right. were creating this for the rest of us to then go off of like, oh, okay. So he starts hallucinating a little bit because the whole and I know it was the seventies. I don't know. I, I all I think of when uh, when Ken Forey goes, yeah, we whipped a man, we whipped him good. It's like Devo, yeah, whipped right. good. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but that's exactly how I feel about it. Where it's like I understand that this was first, right? And because you're a hundred percent right, is like him screaming at him, like, "Yeah, we whipped him. We didn't. We whip him. We whipped him good." And it's just whip like, it good. Yeah, whip it good, Devo. Um, but it's yeah, we had to have this scene because the scene where you know in the walking dead and i can't i don't really watch that show so i can't really remember but it's just like sure. yeah i think maybe like you know Lori dying and then it's like oh no you die like you get you get bit you get a fever the fever kills you and then you reanimate and it's like oh yeah so that's the process that we've like come to from dawn of the dead night of the living dead day of the dead you right. know and all these other zombie movies because if i'm not mistaken this is like the second zombie movie. Like we didn't have zombie movies prior to this. Correct. You know, so Correct. it, it, it's still a fairly new medium. And for a medium that I think now is extremely oversaturated, mm-hmm. you know, in, in terms of the concept. Yeah. You were still discovering the lore. And just, just out of curiosity, cause you did mention this, this is the second one. Uh, do you know how many are actually in this series? I want to say that there's somewhere around like eight, three, four, five, close. There's six. Uh, the oh, last two okay. are really rough um, because well, again, has John Linguizamo in them. That's Land of the Dead. It has Dennis Hopper and John Linguizamo. It's not terrible. It was kind of uh, it was Romero's return to zombie movies because of course Day of the Dead was 1985. And he didn't come back until 2005 and do Land of the Dead. I liked it. I, I didn't think yeah. it was all that bad. Um, he was also, for a while, he was going to be the one to do Resident Evil. Uh, but again, great, better. creative differences. He was involved in, um, if you remember when it was on PlayStation 1, I believe, uh, the original Resident Evil came out. And then like maybe months or a year later, they had Resident Evil Director's Cut. Yes. He was involved in that, like the the story development of that. And then he yeah. was going to go in and make a movie on it, but creative differences fell apart, and we got the Mila Jovovich series that we got. Um, but then in 2005, he came back with Land of the Dead, and then the last two, uh, we have Diary of the Dead and Survival of the Dead. Um, Diary of the Dead, and of course, because he's trying to do his social commentary, Diary of the Dead is kind of a a commentary on found footage movies. Okay. Even though it is a found footage movie, so it's almost hypocritical. Yeah. It's like, because he's not spoofing it. He's, it's a very taken, very literal found footage movie that is like trying to say how found footage movies are bad type of thing. Yeah. Uh, survival of the dead. I, ah, they're on an island off the coast of America. So they're just kind of, you know, it's almost like this to me felt like the follow up to, the Dawn of the Dead remake, because that's how the end credits end, where right. uh, they take the boat out to the island, and all of a sudden they get to the island and realize 
that there's zombies on the fucking island, well, then survival of the dead would have followed that up. I don't believe that's true. I think it still stays in line with his chronological, his canon, if you will. Yeah. For whatever yeah, fucking... I think it's one of those. Yeah. Um, the Day of the Dead, that's the one where they like have the zombie chained up and it like learns to feel. Bob. Right? Bob. 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 Yeah. Bob the zombie. Yeah. yeah, I like Day of the Dead. It's long. That's yeah. That's my thing with Day of the Dead. It's it's a little. It, it's an hour thirty six. Uh, truthfully, so it's not all that long in retrospect to movies that are coming out now. I guess I guess what I mean is it feels long. This uh, be- movie felt long. Yeah, they do because there's bloated parts in the middle, uh, which I guess is why the when I mentioned the European version. They cut a lot of the bloat out and cut it down to 118 minutes as opposed to the 130, 127 that we watched. Right. Um, but Day of the Dead always felt long. And I think it was because, well, like I said, it, it took a while to get to the fucking. It right. took a while to get to the let's rip everyone apart. Because once they start, once the zombies start tearing people apart, and ripping their abdomens open and pulling all the you know rotted meat out, which always you, you hear horrors, horrors from the set yeah. that people are just getting sick because it's literally rancid pieces of meat and sausage that have been sitting uh, in like yeah. hot sets. Tubs. Yeah, all day long. And people gross. are like actually eating them and vomit. It's gross. But once that shit starts, we're off to the races and we're good. Um, yeah. It's kind of like uh, a couple weeks ago on the radio show, I mentioned the uh, the Mel Gibson movie, Dragged Across Concrete. Okay, it's, yeah. It's kind of like that. It's it's where it's really fucking slow, but once it gets to the fucking, it really gets to the fucking, and it's all it's all in on it. Right. Um, but Donna did. Back to Donna. Yeah. Um. This is where my biggest problem with the movie ends up coming is like there obviously we have to upset the balance of, you know, why they're living a perfect lifestyle. Everything's going great. Right. You know, the zombies are the zombies are all gone and like they're just died at this point, basically. Right. Right. They're just living in this mall and everything's great. So we have to get to something to upset that to, you know, reach a climax of this movie. And there's just a nomadic bike gang that sees a helicopter land on this mall. Right. Because uh, Stephen was giving everybody lessons, or at least giving Francine lessons on how to fly the helicopter in case something happens to him, which you know, something happens. Yeah, foreshadowing. Um, but So then from there, this bike gang just like decides that they're going to ransack this mall and they're doing it because of these people. And so they like get over the radio and tell them like, Oh, we're coming in there. Like you're not going to, you got to share with us and all this other stuff. And it's well, just like, I think that was just bad storytelling. I think what, oh, you, yeah, what, what you were seeing is bad story because they do radio in and they, they're, they're radioing, they're radioing. And our group, the main core group, isn't responding. And that's when they get pissed off. Like, oh, well, you know, you're not going to share. We're just going to take. So right. we're coming in now. Yeah. And, that, and I mean, and, they're, they're, they're biker gang. That, they're stereotypical biker gang. So, of course, they're going to ransack. Of course, they're going to, you know, loot the yeah. place. But I, I think it was, um, yeah, I mean, it's, all, it's always about a message, I guess. Yeah, but I think it was just conveyed a little bad. 
Yeah, the motivation was terrible, and then they end up just like destroying everything, and it it's just these bad guys being bad guys for the sake of being bad. Needed a bad guy because it's like they're they're just like breaking in and stealing stuff, and they, yeah. and again it goes down to the like. Yeah, we're trying to steal the money and we're trying to steal the valuables. And it's just like, yeah, that's your you're being too stereotypical. Uh, and it's just like none of it, none of it really makes sense from like a survival standpoint. Right. And and that's what's frustrating. And then it ultimately leads Steven to do the most unsteven thing in this movie where all of a sudden he gets like jealous and mad that he's like, Oh, they're taking his stuff. So, yeah. so yeah. he just starts shooting these people where it's like, they're not going to take any of your food. They're clearly here for the like watches. Well, you, you say that, but it's also one of those things that, uh, well, yes, he was the way they portrayed it was he was uh, getting pissy that they were taking his stuff. I think he even has a line where he says it's ours. We took it first or something like that. Uh, right. But ultimately, they would have found their little, you know, secret wall there. And eventually it would have gotten worse for them if they didn't go on the offense. I feel anyway. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel great like, for I any feel... of them anyway, but. Yeah, I feel like the frat boy. I feel like the frat boy party would have ended fairly quickly, and they would have just left. Maybe, uh, maybe, but I mean, th- these t- th- they are extremely stereotypical. But it's funny because even in modern day zombie with The Walking Dead, you do see these groups where it's like you got the, for lack of a better term, the the core group, which is like the Rick Grimes group which is our core right. group here in the little apartment. And then every time they go out somewhere, they find these, you know, these savages in the woods who are just going to, we're just going to take what you got and fuck you type of thing. So yeah. it's, it's a trope that has gone from literally the first incarnation of zombies all the way through right. to modern day zombies. Um, but yeah, so, so they're, they're ransacking. And this is where, uh, like I've said many times, this is where we get to the fucking, uh, yeah. this, this is where uh, Savini and his effects crew really kind of went overboard on it. Like the oh, yeah. the machetes to the face, the the ripping of the abdomens, uh, all all the zombie things that we know and love. Uh, lots of good headshots. I, I will say this. The the practical effects, especially the the bullet shots to to heads, right. I thought were really well done. Now, granted, the blood looked like, you know, melted crayons. But yeah, whatever it is, what it is. It was 1978. If they had you know red paint, that's what they used for it. I'm more concerned with how cool it looked that they actually, aside from the helicopter zombie, which that that his head looked ridiculous. Um, yeah, but like the one that um, the one that Roger shoots when he's in the cab of the truck and he shoots right. him, and all of a sudden it's like his forehead just pops open, and it's like yeah, that today that would be a million dollar digital effects oh of course and apparently i did a little research apparently that specific effect was simply done by taking a little bit of makeup a tuna can lid putting it underneath and having a little bit of fishing line and just yanking it off yeah it's as simple as that 
And I yeah, love that in today's day and age, that would have cost a million dollars. But it's course. like st- stuff like that. Like um, the, one, one of my favorite uh, little practical effects secrets uh, was from Last House on the Left. And it's right at the end where uh, one of the bad guys, the, the mother of one of the girls that was abducted by these bad guys, uh, she slits his throat. And the blood that comes from his neck was so simple. It was just a, a very easy little appliance on the neck. The character conveniently wore turtlenecks throughout the movie. And all it was was a plastic sandwich bag full of blood right he- taped to his chest. And all he did was go smack his chest, spits blood out of the appliance. I'm like, it's so fucking simple. Yeah. Why does shit like that cost so much money these days? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're 100% <laughs> right. Well, it's also why practical effects will always look better than digital. Because they right. hold up. Because they because up. Dig- digital digital changes month to month. But right. a, a practical effect, what you're shooting it, you're working in camera. It's like there's no... Yeah. There's, you don't have to render a practical yeah. effect. And and you know this, you know this specifically is, you know, I always appreciate and something that I always try to do is capture as much as possible in the camera right. because I don't want to have to rely on even something like color grading, right? right, all that often. Like, you know, obviously you're going to have to do it and it's going to be a touch-up sort of situation. But, yeah, if I can get it to look exactly how I want to look in camera, right. you know, that's that's huge. It's huge. You know, it, it, it also – it saves time. It saves money. And in situations right. where, you, where you got this movie that costs you a million bucks when average movies at the time are probably costing, you know, 10 to 20 million, you need stuff like that. You need to do it in camera. Right. Exactly. Um, the the dumbest character decision in this movie, but the funniest bit is the like bike nomad that keeps needing to get his blood pressure taken. Yeah. <laughs> Like drugs, like man. All, Capital D drugs. <laughs> like all hell is breaking loose, and this asshole runs to the blood pressure machine and sticks his arm in it. He and just, it's just like his arm in the blood pressure machine. What the fuck? Yeah, it's like what? Why? Of course that guy gets ripped apart. Of course he um, does. Ultimately, um, ultimately, because Steven's an idiot, uh, he ends up dying. Yeah, he's trying to escape through the 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 John McClane shaft in the elevator, and he he can't. He doesn't have the upper body strength for that, and he gets bit on the leg, yeah. falls back down, and again, like I said earlier, does a great zombie. Yeah, his he does zombie a great shit zombie, was his yeah. best acting in this two-hour movie. Yeah, the one the one lore thing that they kind of bring up to this is that it's like they explain why there's zombies at the mall, you know, where it's like, oh, they. They don't know why they want to be here, but they instinctually remember coming here. And, and of so, course, that's the social commentary on commerce and material right. possessions and, and that sort of thing. Um, what I didn't like, uh, because it, it in Land of the Dead, they, they were very meticulous about the zombies uh, that start to learn. Uh, right. one, one in particular in Land of the Dead really starts to learn and helps the other zombies. Right. Uh, and even if those zombies don't know why they're going in this direction, they're still following him. But it's like Steven turns into a zombie and immediately knows where the secret wall is. He goes right, right to the apartment. It's like that's like they, they almost undo 
because in Day of the Dead, they're trying to teach Bob, and, and he starts to learn a little bit of stuff, right. which bleeds into Land of the Dead. So they progressively learn more. But in Dawn of the Dead, he's already like, all right, we got to go to the apartment instead of just meandering right. around. Like, he doesn't know how to work his gun because it's still hanging off his finger like a ring, but he There's knows exactly also, where to walk and how to move this secret wall away. Right. It's also really funny because the zombie, like, when Roger gets bit, uh, he loses his assault rifle yeah. and the, there's a zombie and you can see him and it's so funny. He's still carrying the rifle throughout the entire movie. Right. He's not like not in like a I'm going to shoot you kind of way. I have a toy just holding it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, it's so funny. Which um, does, but it yeah. pays off at the end, though. It does pay off at the end in a very stupid character thing yeah. where it's like so now Peter and Francine are like, we got to get out of here. Let's get to the helicopter and get to Peter, the chopper. Yeah. We got to get to the <laughs> chopper. Cause Arnold told us. And, and so do, then, it, do it now. <laughs> and Peter just decides, no, Fuck I'm going to, I'm going to die. Well, okay. Again though. Um, you know, I, I was going to say, why does this SWAT team member have a Derringer? But there was a gun store. He probably just took every yeah, he gun in the store. But it was such a dinky little gun. And it's yeah. like, and he's sitting there for so long with a gun to his head. It's like, dude, you guys could have been to Jamaica by now. In the time you took to sit and wait for the zombies to find you in the closed room. The door was closed. They had to yeah. find his ass. And he's in the room with the ladder. Oh, yeah. He could have been up to the roof. Go. And he would have been out of there. Right. It was just, it was so stupid because no, it was like, yeah, it's like, why? 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 Why would this character all of a sudden just decide, you know, no, I don't want to live anymore. I've lived a good life. I had a, I wore a fur coat and an ice skating rink in a mall. That's all yeah. I ever dreamed for. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, what and the, so, and he's, and he's holding it for so long. Right. And the second, the second the zombie comes through the door, he doesn't even, th- it's not even like, oh, now I shoot myself. He immediately just turns the gun on the zombie and takes a shot. It's like, what the fuck yeah. was the whole, like. And so now, now you want to. You just want to take, you want to live now? You know what what he needed? He needed one more scene where he's doing 70s kung fu. Because his karate on the roof was absurd. Including, I don't know if you noticed, he did a bootleg crane kick up on the roof. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) it was bad. I get it. It was the 70s. Every fight sequence had an Elvis karate stance going. But it was rough. (laughs) Yeah, it was brutal. Fight coordinators, they're worth the money. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, they fight onto the roof and then he gets in the helicopter and and then they just fly off and they don't know where they're going. And it's bleak. And that but that is uh, and the ending is a stereotypical Romero type ending. Day of the Dead ends kind of similar to it, where it's like, yeah, this it's it's not a happy ending, even though they are alive. Because right. it's not like the zombie apocalypse is over. They're just escaping this fight. Yeah, right. They, yeah, they're in a helicopter, and the helicopter is going to run out of fuel, and we'll see what happens. We'll see where we land. I mean, I don't mind an ending like that, because it's like, I would have I disliked it a lot more if it was all wrapped up with a nice happy bow. 
Oh, yeah, no, you're right. I mean, that's the thing, you know. Yeah, we just, this is how it ends. You know, we don't know what life is going to be going this forward. This is just life now. Yeah, and so it's like, yeah, we don't know what ends up happening to him. I do wish that in subsequent sequels we would have, like, found out what happened to those type of people. Oh, you know you they know? crashed the fucking helicopter. That, she couldn't fly for shit. Come on now. They, they, oh, they, they yeah. hit a tree two miles from the, the mall and died. <laughs> oh, yeah, because, yeah, they tried to push that. She doesn't know how to fly, and that thing ran out of fuel, and they died. You, you know damn well they crashed. She died. He he broke his leg, so he was trapped in the helicopter, and then she ate his ass. That's what happened. <laughs> and he ended with a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what happened. That's Dawn of the Dead, 1978. That is Dawn of the Dead. Uh, So, we have... uh, What do we have coming up? Uh, Oh, Batman. Batman. Batman's next week. We got Batman 1989. Tim Burton, Michael Keaton, uh, Jack Nicholson as Joker. We are doing Batman 1989 uh, because... Joker with Joaquin Phoenix is uh, in theaters this week, and I'm guessing bonus episode is on the way. Yeah, bonus episode. Pretty sure we have to do a bonus episode after all of the hype this movie is getting, and how and all the feelings you have before even seeing the movie. We yeah. have to let everyone know your final thoughts on it. Uh, so look out for a bonus episode coming next week, along with Batman 1989 on the main show. And keep it tuned to thatmovieshow.net where you can find Eddie's Entertainment, Movies with Mike. We will let you know what we'll be doing on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash thatmovieshowtv throughout the week. And subscribe. tell your friends to subscribe to the audio because not only do you get the main show, not only do you get our two spinoff shows, but you also get the radio show every Saturday. It's a half-hour radio show we do. Uh, here in Boston on North Shore 104.9, sponsored by Showcase Cinemas, where we do current news and whatever's about movies. Uh, social media, at Mike Went, at the Eddie McCabe, hashtag that movie show. And you can let us know what you would like us to review. Eddie, any final thoughts? Uh, no, I think that's it. We should do Hocus Pocus at some point this Halloween. You know what? I, that's that's what I was going to say, because last year uh, around Halloween, I kind of picked our lineup, but we did the classic horrors. You know, we did Freddy, Jason, yeah. Michael Myers, Texas Chainsaw. This year, I know you already have one thought on one of them, and interviews pending, because we might have a couple interviews on, on the books that we might want to wrap into a review, but yeah, right. I'm going to leave this horror month to you for what we do. So, okay. Homework assignment. I got enough shit to do. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. Um, so all after right. Batman, I'm, I'm leaving up to you. Hocus Pocus possibly on deck after that. And uh, I guess we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye.